You are listening to the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast, where everyday girls let you in on their breastfeeding journeys. And I will unpack all things breastfeeding. I'm your host, Susie Prout, a midwife and lactation consultant. Let's get into it. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast. Today, I have a dear friend, Lucy, with me to tell us all about her breastfeeding experiences with her three gorgeous boys. Her first was in Hong Kong and her second two were in the UK. And Lucy currently also lives here in Jakarta. Lucy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy life to come and chat with me. I think your stories are really going to resonate with so many of the listeners. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) Now, I know with your first, Charlie, you had a positive experience with beginning your feeding journey, which is often quite rare with first babies. Often it's the second and the third that you feel like you've really got a hang of the beginning of breastfeeding and you're like, you can just get going. But for you, actually, you had a really positive time first, which is great and great for listeners to hear. So can you just quickly describe for me your birth? Because often the way that your birth and the way that the baby comes into the world has a massive effect on the beginning of breastfeeding, not the whole breastfeeding journey for you, but certainly the first few days. That's really important. And then after that, if you can just let us know how your feeding went in hospital and how until your milk came in and how you went for those first few days. Okay. So my birth with Charlie was very, very, very easy. (laughs) I had a complication with my pregnancy because he wanted to be born early which meant that my labor, when it did happen, was very quick, very smooth. I probably only labored for about four hours. And Charlie was, yeah, born very, very quickly. Um, I already knew I wanted to breastfeed. And I made that clear to the hospital. And in Hong Kong, the way the system works is that you stay in the hospital for a normal vaginal delivery for three days. And within those three days, I had 24-hour care and support from nurses, midwives, who understood my desire to breastfeed and thus would wake me every three hours and put Charlie to the breast. It was a bit daunting at first because you don't have much milk or you don't think you're doing it right, but I had lots of care and support from them. And they also put me on a hospital grade pump, which apparently told my body to make, to produce milk. So every time that Charlie would feed, I'd then go on a pump and I'd say probably within literally 48 hours, I had an abundance of milk and it was great. And I left the hospital able to breastfeed. I didn't have any sore nipples. He fed very, very well. Firstly, the four hours, I'm sure there's lots of mums to be listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, four hour labors. Look, it doesn't always happen like that, but that is an amazing story. And that is really special, the time that you had in the hospital. And it sounds like the staff there and the policies that they had in that hospital really were breastfeeding friendly. Waking at night, we always say that it is important to remember that just because it is, you know, sleeping time for those first few days, for you normally in the night, babies still need to feed in the night because we really want your boobs to kickstart and to make lots of milk. And it sounded like your, you know, that's exactly what it did with the pump and with the feeding regularly. So it sounds like you really kind of were off to a great start. And I know that your feeding with Charlie again for your kind of whole breastfeeding journey was quite simple. Can you just speak about how long you fed him and for, you know, kind of when you started solids, if anything changed then towards your kind of weaning process? Well, I decided before having Charlie that I would like to breastfeed exclusively for six months. 
And when he was about five months old and I was, yeah, very tired because I was stuck in a very small apartment in Hong Kong away from my family and friends, I found that quite hard. Um, and breastfeeding in Hong Kong in public wasn't really the done thing. So I was finding that more and more difficult to get out and about and be able to breastfeed throughout the day. Um, I decided to try some formula, I think just before he was six months old. He didn't really take to the bottle like I get a lot of breastfed babies. He didn't really like it, but I persisted and I'd say relatively quickly. He used to take a bottle, I'd express some milk, and then I slowly integrated formula. So Charlie was then off breast milk. He wasn't breastfed by the time I'd say he was about eight months. And I had started to wean him with food at about six months, not because Charlie showed any indication, more so because he was my first child. And I kind of was going a bit by the books, what they say, or at this stage you should introduce foods, da, da, da. So we slowly did some weaning and Charlie took really well to food and really enjoyed it. Um, so I probably stopped breastfeeding by the time he was about eight months, I'd say, fully stopped. Okay. And that is also another good point when you were talking there about when the breastfed babies refuse the bottles. And for mums listening that are going through this as well, obviously, when a baby has been sucking on a breast for many months and then next minute they have a bottle put in their mouth, they really don't know what to do. And often breastfeeding, well, breastfeeding is not just about the milk. It's about so much more than nutrition. And so babies suddenly think, hang on, this is just so different to what I'm used to and I'm going to refuse it. Now that doesn't mean, as in Lucy's case as well, it doesn't mean that they're not going to take that bottle ever. And persisting is really the best thing that you can do if it's what you want to do and, you know, to get them to take, whether it's a formula bottle or whether it's express breast milk bottle. But in saying that, it doesn't always work. So some babies will just refuse a bottle and some babies will take to it like Charlie did. So it sounds like that was a really good breastfeeding experience and the cultural differences that you went through obviously made it a little tricky as well, but you kind of got to where you wanted to go. And that's the main thing. Every girl has a different breastfeeding goal. And whether that is six weeks, six months, two years, it doesn't matter as long as you girls come out at the other end and you feel satisfied with what you wanted to do and don't have any of that kind of breastfeeding guilt. So that's fantastic. Now, along comes your second born, Ilya. And you had said to me in the past that there were a few issues surrounding his birth and around how he was once he, he came out into the world. And you feel that maybe that affected your supply. So can you talk a little bit around his birth and that? So when I was pregnant with Charlie, I'd had this condition, I don't know what you want to call it, called cervical incompetence, which meant that my cervix started to shorten and efface prematurely. And I have also what's known as an irritable uterus. Apparently, it's a great terminology, which means that I was having lots of Braxton Hicks. So basically, this happened with Charlie and I had an easy labor and, and all was well, as you've just said. When it came to my second son, I had the same problem in pregnancy. But I was given a very high dosage of progesterone to try and keep the pregnancy, well, to sustain the pregnancy, and I had to do kind of bed rest again. Um, I hadn't taken as much progesterone with Charlie, and what I didn't realize is that that did actually have an impact, it would, I now understand, on my milk supply. So when Ilya was born, I had had lots of progesterone in my system, and the labor again was relatively easy because he was ready to be born. But when he was born, he had something that was later diagnosed as laryngomalacia, which was a floppy larynx. It sounded like when he was feeding, he was taking his like, last dying breath. It was awful. And that kind of 
So there was a lot of anxiety from the moment he was born and we could hear this sound. And I was very, very stressed because like with Charlie, my milk had come in very quickly. And with Ilya, two days later, I didn't have these bulging boobs full of breast milk. And I was very stressed. I think I stress easily, but I was very stressed about this because breastfeeding had been so easy the first time around. I just assumed it would be the same the next time around. I had him in the UK, not in Hong Kong. And in the UK, they don't give you a hospital grade breast pump. So I wasn't doing that. I was literally waking myself up to feed him every three hours. And I thought the same journey would happen, but it didn't. And actually my milk didn't come in for about five or six days. I argued about giving him formula. The hospital midwife wanted me to take him to A&E and they said that because they thought he might be dehydrated and they tried to get me to give him formula but I was adamant probably maybe a bit stupidly but I was adamant that my breast milk would come in and it did come in and he was okay um so I don't think it's I'm not saying to to do what I did but I was just I had it in my head that breastfeeding was going to be easy and so anything else I didn't really want to think about I didn't really want to deal with but it did come in at day five day six and then going forwards was okay (laughs) And I think that it's really hard when you have a really good experience with your first, and that's what you're expecting. Everyone always says, if your milk came in with your first, then your second is going to come in quicker, and then it doesn't, and you know it's going to come in because you know that your boobs will essentially work at some point. And I think what is sad to hear is that, yes, sometimes formula needs to be given. However, there are other options first, and that would be obviously with the hospital grade pumping and, and the frequency of feeds and the the weights and making a breastfeeding plan first before there was, you know, and to make sure that you had tried all options. And so I can fully understand your frustration in that situation because you were like, no, I've done this before. My boobs are going to work. So I do know from chatting to you before that obviously when it came in around kind of the day five, which is a little bit delayed anyway for your second baby and for having a vaginal birth, but then it came in and you had quite a good experience once again and you were living in Bali at the time and so yeah can you just talk about just how you went with his breastfeeding journey so basically once my milk had come in my husband thought I was crazy because I was literally screaming with happiness um that was it I just did what I had done with Charlie I set my alarm for the first I guess four to six weeks every three hours I'd wake up throughout the night and I had a lot of people around me telling me I was crazy. Why didn't I mix feed? I think, but it's such a personal thing. And that was, I knew what I wanted to do because breastfeeding was really important to me. So I fed him. Sometimes it would seem like a lot of the time, but in the night, every three hours, I think for the first sort of six weeks. And we had a really positive time in the UK. I returned to Indonesia. I was living in Bali at the time when he was about 14 weeks in Bali, breastfeeding is extremely normal. And I think I was saying to you before, you can walk around feeding your baby, walking up the street and nobody would even notice. And I continued to breastfeed him very, very easily and happily. So that was very different to Charlie because in Hong Kong, as I'd said, you couldn't really feed in public. Whereas in Bali, you could just feed all the time. No one cared, no one noticed. I met a lot of friends in Bali, everybody breastfed. It was quite a done thing. A lot of European mums. And then my journey with breastfeeding ended with him again when I wanted to. We'd started some food. He uh, did eventually take a bottle, a bit more stubborn than Charlie, but we got there. And I eight months again, I'd say he was on formula and food. So again, in the end, it was a positive journey for breastfeeding, definitely. All right. So that's another really good story. And something I wanted to mention to the listeners when you said that people were saying, you know, how you're feeding your baby too often, you don't need to be doing this. And because we have the 
there is obviously there's the demand feeding camp that some people are in and there's the interval feeding and demand feeding doesn't mean you know three hourly it means whenever they want and and often babies feed 12 times in 24 hours and some people think that's absolutely crazy and something must be wrong with the baby or something must be wrong with the mum because they're putting the baby on too much. But that is essentially demand feeding and that is successful breastfeeding. And that's how Lucy has had such great, easy breastfeeding times because she just listened to her baby and she just put the baby on when she needed to do that. And it can be hard to explain to people who haven't had that growing up and they haven't had that around them and they haven't done the research. It is tricky, but the more we can get women to understand what demand feeding or what actually breastfeeding is, the easier breastfeeding will become in society because it certainly can't be two o'clock. So then we're going to go on to your third little boy. So you gave birth to Sunny and now I've obviously known you through most of Sunny's life. And so he's now just had his first birthday. And obviously the way that you fed Sunny and the way he's gone over his little year of his life was quite different to the way you fed the first two boys. So can you just talk a little bit about the differences? Yeah, sure. So, well, first of all, I'm still breastfeeding Sonny and he just turned one last week and I'm really, really happy that I'm still feeding him. Um, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. And all the while I'm feeling like this, I don't feel like I want to stop. Um, I still wake up in the night to feed him, but I'm happy to do so. Um, Sonny has been a bit of a, a different journey for a few reasons. I was induced with Sunny. So the beginning didn't go off to a great start because of the induction. I think it impacted on my milk coming in. So I had another situation where I was fretting and stressing and sleep deprived and why is my milk not coming? Um, and it took some time. Um, Sunny then started to show some signs of not being very well and they thought he had infection. So because he had an infection, or they thought he had an infection, he was put on IV antibiotics, so I had to stay in the hospital. And oh, then he, I don't know, various things, like he couldn't balance his blood sugar level, so they made me give him some top-up with formula, which was anti what I wanted to do. I was so, so keen on breastfeeding this child. But anyway, I eventually, we did settle down, and after four days, he didn't have any more formula that he'd been given since the birth, as well as me trying to feed him, and he was fully breastfed. Then he started to show signs that he couldn't poo. So we were in and out of hospitals. This is again in the UK. And it's hard to kind of surmise, but we've gone through this journey where he has had a problem with his gut, which has been quite tricky living in Indonesia. And I've just been back to the UK this summer and it's concluded that he is okay. But I guess lazy bowel, I think might be the term for a few reasons. But because of all these things going on, I was adamant I wanted to continue to breastfeed beyond six months for as long as I could really, I suppose. I didn't want to give any formula because there was words like allergies being thrown around. And if I was to give him formula, it had to be one of these formulas that was hyperallergenic or what have you, or hydrolyzed formulas, I think they're called. And then he couldn't eat normal food like at six months because of his tummy. So I was breastfeeding for longer, which meant some days I was literally feeding all the time, which was quite hard having two other young children. But it's just something within me and I'm determined and that's what I wanted to do. So he's now eating food and that his health is all good, but I'm still breastfeeding and I'm loving breastfeeding. I, it's like I said, it's a very personal thing and I know that I've got to 12 months and that's a really good achievement, but I don't feel like I want to stop. And I've been doing some reading about the benefits of extended breastfeeding. And so 
this time round, I think this is, yeah, that's what I'm going to continue to do. And that's a really good point because we seem to change our breastfeeding goals and our desires depending on what child we have. I know certainly with my first son, he weaned kind of around when you were talking about with Charlie around the eight, nine months and I put him onto formula and, and I was very happy with finishing breastfeeding then. And I experienced the same kind of joy from breastfeeding my third, probably the same feelings that you have. And we often get asked a lot when our babies turn one, when are you going to stop feeding? And it does become tricky to tell people, well, we don't want to stop. We're happy with letting the baby decide. We might change in three months. We might in three months time decide, no, we do want to stop. We might decide next week we want to stop. But it's very tricky to explain that and to get asked that quite a lot, which is something I hope as a society learns more about breastfeeding and the extended breastfeeding. Hopefully those questions will get far and few between. That is certainly my hope. And also with your story with your third and him being not very well with his tummy for a few months, not living at home. There might be some girls here that, you know, are having babies and they're not living in their home countries or haven't got their family around them. It makes it incredibly hard and incredibly stressful. So I can certainly kind of understand your pain that you went through with that. And then also discussing you're sitting on the couch feeding so often with a baby that was over six months old because he wasn't able to have solids because he was hungry because he wanted to feed more because he needed more milk because he wasn't having the solids again must have been really hard for you but certainly praise you in like just pushing through and knowing what was the best for his tummy which is certainly breast milk so I think that your three journeys you should be incredibly proud of And I've loved hearing your stories and I think that the listeners are going to really love hearing them as well. So thank you so much for coming in, for chatting, and I'm just so happy to share your story. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And if it can help anybody who's struggling with breastfeeding, I hope it does because it is fantastic. It's a great thing. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really hope you got something out of it and at the very least made you feel not so alone in your breastfeeding journey. Share it with a friend who you feel may benefit from it or leave a review on your podcast streaming app. The more this podcast is shared and reviewed, the more women can benefit from this because we need to talk about breastfeeding more. Bye for now.